0: Emmett Jones is on fire. We're going to talk about Grayson Harris committing to the Oklahoma Sooners on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. Monday night, 9 p.m. Central Time. We are live with you here to talk all things Oklahoma Sooners. And these Mondays just keep on being the gift that keeps on giving as the Oklahoma Sooners pull yet another commitment, this time for the 2025 class That's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. Follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams. Follow the show at locked on Sooners. And thanks for making locked on Sooners your first listen every single day. Grayson Harris, 2025 four-star wide receiver out of Ennis, Texas. Commits to the Oklahoma Sooners. The second commitment for the 2025 class. Here we are. We're, We're getting the ball rolling, Josh.
1: Yeah, in total uh, reverse to what happened in really 23 and the the 24 classes for Oklahoma, it's uh, off to a fast start with with Sperry and now with Harris in 2025. And Oklahoma won out against some big-time programs for the uh, commitment for Grayson Harris, who right now uh, is regarded as a four-star wide receiver via the 24-7 sports composite ranking. That's uh, a top 200 player nationally, 188 if you want to be precisely precise out there. Number 25 wide receiver and the uh, 32nd best prospect in the uh, state of Texas, which uh, I guess, uh, do we just roll some of the tape and uh, see what uh, everybody thinks out there of one Grayson Harris? So here's a a little bit of a look at what Oklahoma is getting. You can see 87 grabs, about 1,400 yards Right off the top, you'll see uh, Mr. Harris go up in, in high point of football, which uh, you love seeing that. Boom, go in the end zone, toss it up for me. I'll go look at what I found and uh, grab that. And then you're going to see, John, uh, the the burst, the acceleration a lot throughout these highlights. So, Emmitt Jones, he's, uh, he's gotten some guys that are quick twitch. Look at the making guys miss, get around the edge, and then adios, goodbye. So, uh, love what they've added here. I know that uh, you, you kind of look at it in 24-7 sports, three-star recruit according to just the 24 7 sports ranking again the composite ranking a little bit higher than that john and uh, as we like to say especially this point in the cycle for a 2025 kid there's a lot of recruiting shuffling that'll happen here his uh, his punt return skills i mean this is somebody man get him in space boom away he goes
0: yeah, the space is incredible, but also for a five ten guy to be able to go up and get above the rim like he was able to on that first, you know, highlight—that's pretty impressive. You mentioned the quick twitch, the agility, the the speed—it's all there for him. I mean, he's a natural slot wide receiver option for Oklahoma, you know. And it, and it's again creating diversity in the wide receiver group, you know. When it first got rolling with Jeff Levy um, and you know it was Kale Gundy and then you know LD Washington as the wide receiver coaches, it was big dudes. And then you're kind of your slot guys were Gavin Freeman. You're bringing in, uh, but then you got, you know, Jaquez Petaway and Keon Brown, two diverse wide receivers. And then in this 2024 cycle, it's already kind of panning out that way. And now you got your twitch get quick, ah, quick twitch guy in the 2025 class. He He's a great player. And uh, to me, if you're standing out like he has, in the north texas area i mean he was you know in 2021 he was the offensive newcomer of the year in 2022 he was an um all district first team selection um so he's a really 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 good player and like you mentioned it's early in the recruiting cycle for the 2025 class a lot of 2025 kids aren't even ranked at this point which there's one that we'll talk about you know here in a little bit um they're just kind of getting their ratings now it's it's still a bit early so to already be a four star in most you know instances you know yes a three star two four in the top two four seven rankings that's pretty good that's pretty good and, and I'm really again liking what we're seeing out of Grayson Harris just does a lot of really thing a lot of things really really well for you
1: another uh Texas kid so again the Ability of image Jones to go recruit the state of Texas. That's something that will be a familiar theme, I think, with image uh, Jones going forward. And, and once again, uh, another one of those relationships, seemingly right, from the uh, the state of Texas that delivers with a, a blue chip recruit for Oklahoma. So, man, he is uh, he's really gotten off to a fast, a fast start on the recruiting trail since arriving in Norman.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's been here since January. He's already gotten three commitments, you know, two for the 2024 cycle and then one for the 2023. And then, you know, you want to throw in Andrew Anthony, that's four, you know, out of the transfer portal. So, I mean, he's- Thompson. Brendan Thompson. So five, he's got five commitments in four months uh, since being at Oklahoma. So I don't think we'll keep that same pace going. He's not going to average a a player committed every month. Um, But, I mean, that's crazy just what he's been able to do and it goes to show like how much relationships can matter in this thing because you know, a guy that is as um, well known in North Texas in particular, but across the state of Texas, when coaches are looking to get their players, guys like Grayson Halton, guys like uh, Zion Kearney, uh, another one, KJ Daniels, get them in front of people. They go to the people they know. you know And so having these relationships that, that Emmett Jones has, in the state of Texas, being able to recruit it as well as he has, it's going to continue to kind of, you know, self uh, it's going to be able to create a lot of momentum for them as they continue to build these recruiting classes moving forward. I mean, such a great hire uh, by, you know, Joe Castiglione, Brent Venables, the, you know, Jeff Levy and the staff, like all the way, just recognizing how important it was to get somebody that had strong North Texas ties. They, you know, Brent Venables and his staff, they've done a really good job at kind of creating a footprint for themselves in the Southeast. We know DeMarco Murray's done a really good job on the West Coast, especially in the Nevada, Colorado area. And then now you're getting somebody with legit recruiting chops in Texas. And that, man, that really is a game changer, especially at the wide receiver position where – dude tons of dudes come out of texas that wide receiver and end up playing big time college football across the country it's crazy
1: no doubt yeah so if you're going to be successful at oklahoma and john we've seen ou recruit nationally he's uh you know obviously gone and and gotten a wide receiver out of the state of louisiana that uh you know in in kj daniels that Maybe wasn't at the, the very, very top of the radar, but we we see the, the traits and the speed and the athleticism that we feel like could be a diamond in the rough type selection for Oklahoma. So it's not as though OU's only going to recruit the state of Texas, but generally speaking, you could probably say for Oklahoma, you, you build from in-state to Texas, and, and then you get national for OU. And that's kind of been always – The, the building blocks to success for the university of Oklahoma starts at home. Of course, you don't want to miss in state and then Dallas and Houston and the state of Texas at large. If you're good there and you don't swing and miss on a lot of Texas guys, probably the university of Oklahoma is going to be in a good spot. And then you go, you know, in several instances, pluck around nationally, a couple of blue chip guys. And I think we, see the makings of Emmett Jones in this snap, being able to do that specific to wide receiver man he's he's clearly flexing flexing the muscle already his ability to recruit the state of Texas which you have to do at OU to be successful man
0: well and not only is he recruiting well but he's getting Brent Venables and the staff indoors I mean they weren't going to have any problems getting into doors when you're Oklahoma you can just show up at the door and be like hey we're here and they're going to welcome you in because they want they want to put their kids out in front of the best programs in the country and oklahoma despite six and seven they're one of the best programs in the country historically over the last 20 30 50 70 years they are oklahoma there's only one right and but but there's something different and it goes a little bit deeper when you have a guy with the connections that emmett jones has that has those personal relationships and and can go to bat and and go to the coaches that he knows and be like this brent vetables cat jeff levy these are dudes, you know, uh, Ted roof, Todd Bates, Miguel Chavis. These are legit good human beings or, you know, whatever the relationship is, he can vouch for them. And so when they walk in the door, it's like, they've kind of already got a stamp of approval from somebody that knows them as opposed to. In some instances, where they might walk in blind a little bit. Now, Brent Venables and his staff is—they've been working and creating their own footprint. It's not all Emmett Jones. I mean, they've created a nice pipeline with Denton, you know, Denton Ryan, Denton Geyer. Like the Denton area, is they're doing a lot of really good work. The Allen McKinney Frisco area, they're doing a lot of really good work too. Emmett Jones just gets you a little bit deeper. He pushes the recruiting efforts a little bit deeper, and we've seen how they've really wanted to attack the southeast. And the state of Texas under Brent Venables, they did a a ton of work. I think it was five or six guys out of Florida in the 2023 cycle. And then another five guys out of Texas in that same cycle. So they want to win. They want to be heavy in those two states because those are big football states. And you can tell the programs that recruit those states. Well, usually do really well. And and that's going to continue to go really well for the Oklahoma Sooners as, as Emma Jones is there. But even as they begin to win again, And, you know, Brent Venables is able to say, look, that 2022 season, that's an aberration. We are going to be an elite program again. All of the elite players are going to want to play, or not all of them, but a lot of the elite players are going to want to play for Oklahoma, just like they always did.
1: Three blue chip guys already for Emmitt Jones and two other uh, commitments to speak of. Andrel Anthony, we'll see. Uh, We'll see if he's uh, an impact guy. I know that, at least according to the twenty four seven sports transfer portal rankings, he's a, a three star guy right now, and I think he was a three star signee coming out of uh, coming out of high school as well. But uh, Brennan Thompson, regarded as a blue chip type talent, uh, we know obviously Zion Kearney, high four star guy. We've talked about that. We'll see. Uh, we'll see about uh, another name very shortly, right? Wide receiver in this twenty twenty four class that it seems like. Oklahoma is trending well there and KJ J- KJ Daniels. We've talked about could be a riser uh, along this board. And then obviously what you've gotten here in one, uh, Mr. Grayson Harris. So this is uh, somebody in Emmett Jones, again, that it's not only, you know, to me, John, what we talked about, that you got to be able to recruit the state of Texas as well, which, uh, he's already again, come in with that pedigree, that track record and backed it up. But then, you know, obviously you, you want to go get, uh, talented guys you want to go get blue chip guys too and right now he's batting 60 percent. it may be better maybe better in that regard by the uh the time uh obviously the uh, 2024 cycle completely comes to a close
0: yeah we're gonna see where this ends up, but I mean, so far so good. And again, you, you were kind of alluding to it, but it's Bryant Wesco, the five-star wide receiver out of the North Texas area that Oklahoma is trending in a really positive direction for no timeline on his commitment, but still things are looking really, really good. Got to finish the race, but with what Emmett Jones has done so far, there's little doubt that he's going to be able to continue to pull in high quality, high talented recruits. Another guy, top level prospect that we got to talk about that, All of a sudden now seems to be heavily, heavily trending toward Oklahoma. Still, we got to see it to believe it, but looking really good. That's David Stone. We're going to talk to you about him after the break.
1: Speaking of the break, make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. That's because right now, new customers, no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win how about philly strolling into boston minus Embiid? a little stunner a little stunner in game one i am so excited about what these uh, western conference semifinal matchups uh, are gonna look like here but that's neither here nor there there's no better place to uh, get in on all of the nba playoff action than america's number one sports book over at fanduel fanduel.com slash locked on to get your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars fanduel an official sports betting partner of the NBA.
0: So Josh, three more predictions came through. I mean, maybe we could call it just two more recruiting predictions came through. I'm sure y'all have kind of seen it, but a lot of uh, movement on the recruiting sphere. Um, Several uh, recruiting sites entered the transfer portal. Sooner Scoop is now with On3. OU Insiders is now with Rivals. Rivals. And Sooners Illustrated, which I guess is some throwback publication from a long time ago, is now taking the reins over at 247 Sports. All that to say, Josh McQuistian kind of reissued his prediction favoring the Oklahoma Sooners to land David Stone. It was a Rivals future cast. Now it's an on-three prediction. But following that, you have Sam Spiegelman, a national recruiting analyst, four on-three, also issued a prediction favoring the Oklahoma Sooners. And then Marshall Levinson, a USC recruiting analyst, also issued an on-three prediction favoring the Oklahoma Sooners, 4-1, five-star defensive lineman David Stone. Now, the the whispers were always that Stone was trending toward Oklahoma, yet Michigan State was kind of becoming a thorn in the recruitment. Oregon was popping up, which you could never really count out Dan Lanning and the SEC West Oregon Ducks. Uh, but it, it always felt like Oklahoma was – kind of the perceived leader yet there was still a little bit of maybe concern that it was trending away from the Sooners as you know the Spartans were, were popping up and Texas A&M was creeping in and Miami and you know John Ruiz were trying to get in on the action and then Oregon and Dan Lanning uh, it just kind of maybe put a little bit of a damper on the the excitement and the possibility but with Gerald McCoy you know, getting his recruiting pitch going for David Stone and and being able to host Stone in Norman for the spring game, it looks like things are, are back heavily in Oklahoma's favor now, trending toward a, a commitment at some point from David Stone to Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, the 1st uh, of May, uh, really, I guess the uh, end of April, into first of may was was pretty interesting from the oklahoma reporting uh perspective wish everybody continued great success by the way uh, i'm sure that uh i mean i, I have no doubts that kerry murdoch and their crew at sooner scoop is going to continue to provide sensational coverage uh I, I know that brandon and parker over uh with ou insider jumping to rivals they'll continue to do so and i'm excited for my man mr colin kennedy who uh you know, once, once upon a time back in the day was an intern with us. Uh, so just happy for everybody involved with the musical chairs there. It's been a uh, kind of a uh, kind of fun and wild to watch all of that transpire. George Stoya coming back to the market. So there's a lot of happenings there, but yeah, anyways,
0: Josh Calloway moving from all Sooners to Sooners illustrated with two, four, seven. So a lot of moving parts, man. It's crazy. I'm still at Sooners wire. We're still here on Locked On Sooners. We're not going anywhere. We're continuing to build and grind. But yeah,
1: yeah, no transfer portal here for us. And congratulations not. to James Jackson, by the way, too, who is one of the like legitimate and there, there's other guys that you hear this about, but legitimate good guy in, in this business. I'm really happy for him to have that opportunity. That was that was pretty cool to see. But that's enough about the musical media chairs. <laughs> uh, the, uh, <laughs> the the bottom line for Oklahoma is. David Stone, I, I kind of have felt like the heart's always been with Oklahoma, but here's somebody that, as he should, John, he, he's enjoying the recruiting process a little bit as a as a five star kid. It's uh, hey, speaking. Uh, I said we're moving on, but speaking of the the media musical cheers, I think at times maybe there was a little enjoyment from the. There was maybe some some stress involved, I'm sure, for our media friends, but the whining and dining's not all bad. Everybody wants to be wanted, right? So to take it full circle back to uh, David Stone here, I, I do think that's uh, at play a little bit to where, look, uh, he's not just going to totally jump on board to begin with. You want to make sure that your mind is is right, is right, is right, but I do think I do think Oklahoma has the uh, the advantage here. I'm not surprised to, again, see these, I guess, uh, predictions get thrown back in as we're shifting networks. Just, hey, I'm still I'm still right here.
0: Yeah. Double stamp on this one. But I just thought it was intriguing that, um, you know, Marshall Levinson and Sam Spiegelman were also joining the fray on that front. You know, it's it's one thing for Josh to continue his, you know, keep his prediction up and then just kind of reissue it almost for the new site. Um, like i would not be surprised if parker and brandon who had crystal balls in on david stone you know months ago if they reissued those predictions as rivals future casts uh, in the coming days but to see new predictions pop up in favor of oklahoma to me that's the intriguing aspect of this because it seemed like again everything was kind of just up in the air all of a sudden you know there there wasn't really a a strong feeling for Oklahoma, it seems like it kind of had kind of trended back to, it's a it's up in the air. Everybody's kind of in play at this point, but now again, it seems like after the spring game, after you know getting his family um, on campus, you know in Oklahoma family or Gaylord family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, you know getting the coaching staff in front of them, everything all together, you know the 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 soul mission, the coach, you know the coaches, the players, everything maybe it just helped him and maybe helped his family feel a lot better about staying local, you know, staying close to home, um, and, and knowing what they're going to get with that aspect. So it's huge, man. And, and this is the big fish. Like you want everybody. I mean, Williamson, one is huge. Nigel Smith is huge. Um, you know, uh, Joseph, Joe or Jonah, Joe, yeah. Joseph Jonah, a That's a huge get too, but nobody comes in. 6'5, 280, Like he already does. I mean, those guys are kind of tweener types. David stone is a legit interior defensive line player right now. He's not somebody that has to come in and add, you know, 20, 30 pounds to, to get him ready to play defensive tackle. He's ready to play defensive tackle as is once he gets on campus. So getting that guy now, you're probably going to add 15, 20 pounds to him and muscle and and strength, but he's going to be able to keep that twitchiness to him. But getting that guy, that's the one right now that has kind of eluded Oklahoma, the the five-star defensive tackle for quite some time. And somebody who has a lot of, uh, I don't know, just a lot of game to him, you know, somebody that everybody wants. Like, everybody in the country wants this kid, and it's coming down to, you know, Oklahoma and a few others. But, man, it, it's, it's fire if they can end up landing him.
1: Well, and getting him to come back for, uh, you know, to be there for the spring. I know he's visited Oklahoma a bunch, but having him in house w- was a must for Oklahoma in this recruitment. It would have been, you know, not a, not a doomsday sentence entirely, but y- you would have not been as optimistic if, uh, if he wasn't there, but he's on site. And uh, you know, again, for Oklahoma, I agree with what you said, uh, you know, it could still be a, honestly, John, because of the names on the board, if every other name went Oklahoma's direction in this class up front, it could still be an amazing class, you know, in the interior of the defensive line for defensive line in general, if David stone wasn't a part of it, but just from a, you know, like Weston says right here, can't miss on the top player in the state, The, the ties back to the state of Oklahoma with this recruitment feels like for the fan base, it's paramount that after some misses, Uh, Yes, I'm looking at you, Mr. Hicks, after some recent misses that this is one that Oklahoma had to, needs to lock down, and it starts there in this class with Oklahoma, even though, again, I think that if they got everybody else on the board, it would still be a great class, but there would still be that faction of the fan base that's like, eh, but you didn't get David Stone.
0: It's the the must-have. I mean, you kind of have them every cycle. This is the one that you feel like you got to get. You absolutely got to have. Because again, like I said, he's the one that you can, I mean, we talk about PJ Adabari coming in as a true freshman and being a significant impact player. It's because he's built for it already. That's the same thing with David Stone. He's built for it. He's already ready to go. Obviously he needs some, you know, work with Schmidt and, and the strength and conditioning staff and with Todd Bates, you're just refining things, getting the playbook down, but otherwise physically he's almost ready to roll. So you land those guys and then you just have to build on what they've already got. That's huge. Um, you know, people asking about Zadavian Sims. I think Oklahoma is still very much in play for this, even though Michigan State, Mel Tucker, they've made a really strong impression on him and several other Oklahoma prospects. I mean, Zadavian Sims is still very much in play. Was up visiting Oregon during the spring game weekend, and it and it's kind of the same players, right? It's Oregon, it's Texas A&M, it's Michigan State, it's Oklahoma that are all kind of going in on this. But, I, you know, talking to Parker, like, he would not be surprised if this is a class that takes six defensive linemen, you know, where not just inside or outside guys, but as a whole, you know, and, and seeing maybe like a Williams Winnery, a you know, Joseph uh, Jonah a Jonye, David Stones, Davian Sims, Nigel Smith, maybe Danny Okoye, as Eric's mentioning as, as well in the chat. I mean, there's a good chance that they could be very, very deep, but that's part of the whole roster overhaul that they're undergoing under Brent Fendables, they they need to build this up through the recruiting class. You can't depend on the transfer portal every single year to, to kind of line, you know, fill out your roster and, and have starters and impact players. You kind of got fortunate that you got Rondell Bothroyd and Andesan McCullough on defense and Reggie Pearson, but that may not be the case every year. So you got to build through your recruiting ranks. And, you know, if you take a deep defensive line roster in the 2024 class, not all those guys are going to play year one, but by year two, year three, they're going to be significant contributors, starters even. And, you know, by year four of some of those red shirt, I mean, those guys are going to be the core of your defensive front. And so, like, if you could add six blue chip guys, including a couple of five star players, I mean, what is that going to do for them as they, you know, are now three years into their you know SEC arrival uh, as those guys are making their way up the depth chart and, and taking on significant roles?
1: This might not be the family-friendly version of describing this, so bear with me. I, I apologize for that. But constantly having to go, quote-unquote, dumpster diving throughout the transfer portal I don't think is is the way to make a championship living. I think you can go find uh, a DeSan McCullough there. You know, we, we've seen, look, a, a Jordan Addison at times is in the transfer portal Caleb Williams, that, that might be a unique situation, but there's, there's superstars. Yes. That hit the transfer portal. I I don't know how many of those guys always are up front along the defensive line. And again, you, you severely lower your chances. I think once it gets to a transfer portal situation, John, versus, I mean, they just got to totally fall in love with you or Honestly, the name-image-likeness package probably has to be competitive in that arena to, to lure a top talent that's an established talent away. And again, we don't see a ton of those guys. So, yes, it has to be homegrown through the recruiting rankings. We've talked about that. And then you can supplement via the transfer portal and, and take a chance on a couple of guys like, uh, like a Lacey, right, or Trace Ford, who at times early was very, very impressive, But uh, injury concerns along the way maybe has tapered off a little bit. Somebody that you you go to Texas State, you get a Devon Sears. I mean, you you can gamble a little bit is the beauty of the transfer portal. But it needs to be a gamble. It can't be everything, all the chips to the center of the table. Chips to the center of the table needs to come. From your signing classes. And again, that's why the 2024 class in somebody like David Stone, a new prediction coming in, that's huge news for Oklahoma, for area on and on and on. All these different guys, it needs to for OU to start turning that corner. They just, they have to land that type of talent. It's as simple as that.
0: You're hitting the nail on the head because you're not always going to be able to pull a Desan McCullough, a true freshman All American, or a Rondell Bothroyd, a guy with 14 sacks over the last two years and, you know, 26 and a half tackles for loss. Like, that's NFL production. That guy's going to the draft, generally speaking. But maybe he just wanted one more year to prove that he's a top 100 pick, and so you're fortunate enough to get him uh, to come to Oklahoma and and play that you know fifth year with you. But you're not always going to get that guy. So it's it's incredibly difficult. It's huge to to be able to put together potentially what they're doing in 2024. And it just goes to show just the recruiting prowess. I know we talk about this all the time on this show. And if you're a part of the everyday club, which we know a lot of you are, and we thank you for being here. I mean, this, this staff, if they've not proven anything, because they really haven't on the football field yet, but they're a great recruiting staff at the very least. And eventually that's going to translate into wins. But for right now, we know this. Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, Todd Bates, Ted Roof, Miguel Chavis, Eric Villay, DeMarco Murray, you know, Emmett Jones, Brandon Hall, uh, who I, Bill Bedenboe, Joe John Finley, you know, the whole, you know, recruiting staff that's the on-campus recruiting staff, you know, Lee Davis, the director of on-campus recruiting, J.R. Sandlin, the Soul mission, all this, this program recruits as well as anybody in the country. Right now the recruiting rankings don't reflect that compared to Georgia and Alabama, but they're going to, if not this year, 2025, 2026, it would not surprise me to see Oklahoma as the number one recruiting class in the country, because this is how good this staff has been on the recruiting trail. They've only been in Norman for what a year and six months and they have a top five class. And the 2024 class, especially if they land all these defensive linemen, have a chance to be even better than the 2023 cycle. That's how crazy things are right now and how good this staff is recruiting. And it's going to continue to just build upon itself. Like as they, you know, build the recruiting classes and then start stacking wins, it'll just continue to get better and better for them.
1: That's kind of wild that it's been what, 18 months? Yeah, it's crazy. 18 months since Brent Venables took this thing over. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they need to find the results on the field and then maybe they can kick this thing into the next stratosphere. You you win big, you get big rewards. But hopefully Oklahoma can, again, they, they've they shown the propensity to recruit in a big way without the, the big-time results just yet. Now, I've said this uh, in the past, John, and I do think that – for Oklahoma, if you don't win, you, you start to get a little nervous that can you can you match what last year's class was into 24, into 25, into 20. Eventually, rubber has to meet the road, right? Or rubber does meet the road. And you either put up or you shut up. And you keep recruiting well, and maybe it gets even better and better and better. Or, or you know you're going to be looking for a different staff in, in Norman, Oklahoma. I tend to believe that things uh, are about to improve for Oklahoma, that there's signs that these additions that they've made out of the transfer portal combined with the in-house growth is positioning Oklahoma and the schedule, man. I mean, this schedule that is navigatable for OU, I just keep coming back to that, that they can go win nine, 10 games on this schedule And the staff's already recruiting the way that it's recruiting right now. So then all of a sudden you combine it with nine, 10 wins, maybe a big 12 championship and look out who knows what uh, this, uh, this staff can do. And if they can do that and capitalize right here with these defensive lineman recruits and, and get this class into signees, John, then all of a sudden we can look back, hopefully at 2022. And it's just this nasty blip on the radar. It's like a, it's like a spooky COVID year. It's just like, did that really happen? Did we live through that six and seven year? What was that season? Hopefully we can get to that point down the road. I don't even really
0: know what you're talking about. I, I Six and seven, that doesn't ring a bell. It's, it, it It's a mirage, I think. Somebody might have seen it off on the horizon when they were wandering through the desert. Uh, Another player that is continually trending toward Oklahoma, unsurprisingly, included the Sooners in his top five. That's five-star tight end in the 2025 class, Devon Campbell. Again, the Oklahoma Sooners are well-positioned for this recruitment. The relationship between he and Michael Hawkins is very, very strong. It's been well-documented by guys, again, like Parker Thune, Brandon Drum uh, out there on the recruiting trail. Uh, He is a former Allen high school kid transferred out to uh, Los Alamitos uh, to play his junior and senior year. But again, heavily favored to go to Oklahoma. Um, That to me, that's a, that's a big get, you know, if Oklahoma again is able to land him because you know, you you add these guys that are four-star players and man, that's fantastic. But how often do you get a chance to land a five-star tight end prospect? And uh, here's what he had to say about Oklahoma telling uh, on threes, uh, Chad Simmons. He says, uh, I've been there four or five times. So I feel comfortable. The atmosphere is strong. I like the coaching staff and they always feature their top tight ends. Coach Brenton Venables and Joe John Finley have really recruited me hard. So I have some strong relationships too. And I did say Campbell. I did mean Mitchell, son of a donkey. Uh, I meant Mitchell for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Um, drew, I appreciate you. Um, I get all these Mitchells and Campbell's and all these things, uh, mixed up from time to time. I'm just really glad that I I wrote Mitchell when I wrote the story about it earlier today for Sooners Wire. That makes me feel really good. Um, but yeah, man, if, if they can get, you know, Devon Mitchell, if they can land that recruitment. That's a hundred percent. That That's huge for the Sooners too.
1: Well, and I'm looking at, uh, Bud Elliott's story from, 24 seven sports. I'm I'm trying to uh, trying to get you just the, the key notes from it. And maybe I can just find this. Maybe I can just find this on uh, Twitter where I saw it earlier today, but long story short, and, and you've heard this before, this is not me breaking any news to you, but the large percentage, overwhelming percentage of players that were drafted in the NFL drafts first round and that happen over a significant portion of time guess what they're four or five star kids they're four or five star signees so stars i get it uh, you know they they're not the end all be all and i would never tell you know a, a, even a two star kid i mean there's some some two star guys that for whatever reason john whether they just keep developing physically or they get the you know with the right coaching staff they just get better and better and better it's possible to be a, a no star a one-star, a two-star, a three-star kid, and turn into an NFL draft superstar. But generally speaking, four-star, five-star kid. So, yeah, when you look at somebody with uh, that type of pedigree as a tight end, has the relationship built into somebody that's coming to the University of Oklahoma, maybe he's going to reclassify, right? Isn't that the thought? That uh, maybe he'll jump up from 25 to 24. So, look, you've got one piece of the puzzle already. That has to have you in good footing, and I think didn't he quote tweet something from Parker the other day uh, from from last night, right? To just basically congratulate him. I mean, <laughs> that I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but that's got to be, I think, a good a good sign. I mean, you know, it could
0: just be congratulating. I mean, they you know Parker and these guys, they've got relationships with these kids. Um, I say kids. They're the way that they act, you know, tweet on Twitter and are so connected to college football and all this that they're young men. Um, but yeah, they're, they're uh, very well connected and, you know, they've spent a lot of time like Parker spent a lot of time, you know, talking with, uh, you know, Mitchell and Mike Hawkins and, you know, Parker in, in particular is, you know, pretty tight with the Hawkins family. So, uh, it's not surprising that, you know, Mitchell's showing some love to our guy Parker through in front of the show here on locked on Sooners. But, uh, I do think, you know, you, you do see, um, you know, a lot of positive signs for, for Oklahoma as it pertains to Mitchell, you know, it just seems like that's just the way things are trending. And I mean, whether it's crystal balls or rivals future casts, Now we don't know when the commitment is going to come. He said he'd like to commit soon. So potentially he's going to be your third commitment in the 2025 class, but he's not set a date yet. Uh, another 2025 guy that we need to talk about. And this one is fascinating to me too, because Oklahoma is creating quite the pipeline up there at Lee's summit, uh, where Caden green, the 2023 offensive tackle signee and Williams Winary. The 2024 defensive line prospect, five star defensive line prospect, also hail from. Uh, the Sooners received a. Uh, now, <laughs> I knew this was going to feel weird. A Rivals Future cast from Parker Thune uh, for interior defensive line prospect, uh, Kamari Moore. Uh, Moore is 6'1, 321, also at a Lee Summit. That's a dude, man. 321, 6'1 as a, let's see, 2025. So he's a rising junior. Like he's going to be a junior this fall. Um, That's a, that's a one tech. That's a nose tackle prospect right there. He's not rated on two, four, seven sports. I didn't look to see if he was rated on, on three or with rivals yet, but that to me, that says something one that again, they're, they're prioritizing the interior defensive line. They're trying to find guys that are going to be really good against the run. Really good. I mean, this is going to be a run stuffer. Like that's who he is. You're not asking him to get out there and chase down, you know, whatever quarterback that that they're going to be playing against in the SEC. Uh, you're asking him to go out there and shut down Alabama's running game here in a few years. You're asking him to go out there and shut down the Georgia Bulldogs running, rushing attack or LSU's rushing attack. Um, having, if they're able to get this kid, Kamari Moore out of Lee's summit, I think it definitely sets this thing up. Like not only are they recruiting Kansas city? Well, because that's where Adepoja Adabare is from, but Lee's summit is becoming a Oklahoma Sooners pipeline for these top targets.
1: No doubt. Yeah. There's a a lot of talent right there at at Lee's summit North Uh, you know, obviously just the, the Kansas city Metro is going to have talent in it, but it, we've talked about this in, you know, recent weeks and months, it feels like that's getting better and better and better. And Oh, by the way, Oklahoma's gotten a couple of slices, of that Kansas city pie. So that's uh that's great for Oklahoma. They've already got their foot in the door and, you know, Kamari Moore is uh, somebody that look, you, you look at the, the offer sheets early it's uh it's 2025, but uh, some, some big name programs he's unrated from what I looked at at both rivals in 24, seven sports, like you said, John, but he's got offers from Nebraska and Iowa state. And those are programs that right there uh, up North, They know what's going on, at least Summit North, okay? And they feel that this is a Power 5 kid, and they needed to get in the door early. And so Oklahoma's in the mix there as well. And, oh, by the way, who knows? Maybe that helps you with, uh, I don't know, Williams, Winary, and some other names.
0: I just like that they're getting a big dude. Like, give me the bowling ball. You know, the the Puna Ford type. You know, going back to some Texas days, uh, Puna Ford, just the the low stocky going to win with leverage dude that you're not going to be able to block off his spot. Like he's going to get in his spot and he's just going to stay there and anchor and you're going to need three guys to push him around all the while Lewis Carter's running around him and making a tackle for loss because you have had to, you know, uh, send so many guys that direction. So I, I, I love like, bring me, bring me the fat kids. Sorry, I know that may not be PC, but bring me the 320 dudes because we need to lock down the interior defensive line, especially when we get to the SEC because it's run, ground and pound, get physical, get nasty. And if the more of those, you know, you got a David Stone that can play your three tech and this kid, you know, Kamari Moore that plays your one tech, you're not running on them. I'm sorry, you're just not. If you can get these guys in there and they turn out to be really good players. You're just not going to run on Oklahoma. You're going to have to go wide, and then that's when that speed that Brent Venables and his defensive staff are recruiting, that's when they're, they're really going to be able to take off because that speed is going to be killer. If teams are going to try and run wide, they're just not going to be able to get there because Oklahoma is recruiting so much, so so much speed right now on the defensive line. Um, Few notes here, Uh, Matt, who just joined us, he asked, how are things trending with OU with all the crystal balls that dropped today? Uh, I mean, there were a lot of on three predictions. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the show, in particular for David Stone. It seems like things are trending in a really, really positive direction for Stone landing with the Oklahoma Sooners. I mean, it was one of those that, you know, if you're, if you're just joining the show, we'll kind of rehash it really quickly before we move on that early on it, thing, it seemed like everything was trending for stone to land with oklahoma michigan state gets in the mix oregon gets in the mix texas a&m miami usc all the top programs around the country get in the mix and you know the the positive feelings the positive vibes kind of died down for a little bit and everybody i don't want to say worried but everybody was kind of hedging a little bit right they were just kind of sitting there thinking back like uh, maybe maybe not we'll see we'll kind of see where this goes and then now, after hosting David Stone back in March for an unofficial, and then again for the spring game uh, in April, it seems like things are trending now again heavily and very positively for Stone landing with the Oklahoma Sooners.
1: Which, again, must get in this class for Oklahoma. And there's a couple of those up front. We, we talked about the Lee Summit uh, North kids. williams Winery is gigantic in this class. And then, you know, you land somebody like that, uh, Isaiah Mosey, does he have uh, – he's got one prediction into Oklahoma. Uh, Mosey is uh, a wide receiver in the 25 class for Lee Summit North that everybody likes. He's, uh, I guess, really high on Oregon and Tennessee as well. Arkansas, Georgia. I mean, there's a bunch of big-name schools in the mix for Isaiah Mosey who's regarded in the 25 class as a top 100 guy, John. So not only do you – want to close the deal on these 24 guys because flat out Oklahoma needs defensive line help, but you know, Lee's summit North, all of a sudden you get one domino to fall and all of a sudden, not that it's a sure thing, but we all like to be somewhere we're comfortable, right? I like doing this show because I like John, John and I get along. It's an easy show to do. We're friends, I like uh, going to college with, with my friends. That was how I went to the University of Kansas with, uh, with high school friends. So not a, not a lock it up, throw away the key situation, but you get one, one name in the door, just like we were talking about uh, with, with Hawkins and, uh, and Mitchell. With, uh, with Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, you, you get one, gives you a much, much better chance with the other.
0: I just realized who I was thinking of when I said Devon Campbell, he was the guy that Texas that chose Texas over Oklahoma. When it seemed like he was heading toward Oklahoma, the offensive line prospect in the 2022 class. That's where that came from. That old recall brain. Um, we did have it huh? just pops up. It's funny. I was actually thinking about him the other day because I was thinking about Texas's offensive line and the depth that they've got there. And I'm like, what Devon Campbell's up to where's he at? Does he need it? Does he need to find a new home? Just, thinking to myself really not writing that anywhere or putting that out there in the universe. I hope he's happy. Hope he's doing well, but you want to come back to Oklahoma. I think, um, no, man, it's, it, it's really cool to see how they're continuing to build and build and build on, on what they've done. And they're continuing to build just straight out of, you know, Lee summit. I mean, that's a place that's becoming a powerhouse, you know, for, for recruiting and for prospects. Like it's, it's as good as it seems to be in, you know, you compare it to North Texas. I mean, Oklahoma wants to get guys out of that place. So, uh, what else, Josh, anything else that, that, um, no, Jenna, we haven't talked about, uh, Cullen leaving, um, uh, another transfer portal departure for the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, honestly that one kind of flew under my radar a little bit over the weekend, uh, just with all the softball stuff happening. And then out here in Tahlequah, there was the red fern festival and my father in law's birthday. So got, got kind of busy, but, uh, yeah, another you know transfer portal departure for the Oklahoma Sooners. But again, like it's been for guys that have transferred out this offseason, not really a guy that was going to um, probably get much playing time for the Sooners.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, uh, entering the transfer portal right up against the tail end of that second portal window had to get in uh, into the transfer portal, submit your paperwork by April 30th. They, you know, initially that date was set to be for the transfer portal. The second window, May 1st of the 15th, they moved it up uh, two weeks to April 15th to April 30th. And uh, obviously the six foot four, 352 pound Montgomery entering uh, the transfer portal. So, and, and or he arrived, he arrived that way and then lost a bunch of weight. And anyways, didn't, didn't quite work out here. Wish him well. And who was it? Uh, Harmon entered the portal as well. Is that the, the final transfer portal defection from Oklahoma?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Damon Harmon leaving. And I mean, that's just a sign of the depth that they have at safety. You know, this was a kid that actually was getting some playing time last year as they were kind of having some attrition due to injury, but man with billy bowman and key lawrence and reggie pearson and peyton bowen and robert spears jennings and you can even throw mccarty vickers out there at safety he's got some versatility and jacoby johnson's going to be coming to town and eric mccarty's in town recovering from his uh you know his acl like safety's deep and like if you weren't breaking in when it wasn't very deep last year and you were only getting playing time because of the injuries. And I'm sorry, like, you know, it, you feel for a kid who was recruited under a different staff and, and really didn't find the opportunities in the playing time with the new staff, but it, it's just kind of the way the, you know, the the cookie cr- crumbles a little bit and it's probably just best to, for everybody to move on.
1: Yeah, no, it, that's, that's exactly right. W- want to get an opportunity and At Oklahoma, safety just feels like it's getting better and better and better, and you're going to have to be elite. going to have to be elite to get onto the the field, and hopefully that's going to be the case for Oklahoma. We keep talking about these defensive line potential signees in this 24 class for OU. Hopefully that's the case at all levels because Oklahoma has been upgrading, upgrading, upgrading its talent. Uh, Bowen and others in the defensive backfield, it's just a different world at uh, at safety right now and frankly it's getting that way at cornerback too which is which is good for oklahoma i mean that's just an area his defensive backfield's been uh, a tortured position group for quite some time for oklahoma and for oklahoma fans and it finally there's now it's got to meet recruiting rankings have to meet production on the field we've seen i think a good bit of that from billy bowman And we saw some serious, serious sizzle and flashes from Peyton Bowen throughout this spring. Now it's got to happen next fall and into the games that matter. You know, Cincinnati, the Big 12 games, obviously the Red River game. For a defensive backfield that has been, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. It's time for uh, Oklahoma to to flip that script. And it seems that it is. And unfortunately, speaking of the the weakest link, not to, to pick on anybody, but I think some folks have found out, okay, it's probably not going to happen for me here at Oklahoma. Yeah. I
0: mean, there's the same question for Jaden Davis, right? You know, a guy that played a lot, he, he actually played a lot of snaps for Oklahoma, but found that his kind of role was, diminishing. It was going to diminish. He just wasn't going to find the same playing time as even guys like Macari Vickers and Josiah Wagner were coming into town. Like as true freshmen, the coaching staff can't speak highly enough of these guys. Kendall Dolby coming in through the Juco ranks. And then, you know, everybody's expecting a better season from Woody Washington, who had a solid season last year. Uh, Matt asks, who are the starters at safety? Josh, you want to tee off on this one first?
1: I think that Peyton Bowen is going to have a chance. Uh, I-, I think you got Billy Bowman, there's a good chance for Reggie Pearson. And then I I think Peyton Bowen's going to get serious snaps. Based on what I saw throughout the spring, I know we're out over our skis a little bit, and that would be irregular. But five stars are, you know, inherently a little bit different, as the kids say. So, I mean, those would be the three. Am I missing a name? Uh, just key Lawrence. I mean, he's, I think
0: he's a guy that, I mean, I asked Ted roof about Reggie Pearson and he made sure to remind me about key Lawrence in the post-game presser at uh, spring game. So that's the guy that they still feeling really comfortable with and, and pretty high on. So here's, here's kind of what I could foresee happening at safety. Um, a lot of different things you might in into Satan, too high looks when they want to run too high, you might see a Billy Bowman and a Peyton Bowen out there playing two high safety looks, you know, split in the field because of their range, their athleticism and that, that physical ability, when they want to have more thumping on the field, you know, whether it's short yardage situations, you might see Reggie Pearson and Key Lawrence out there together, or you might see Reggie Pearson and Billy Bowman or Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman, where you can drop one guy into the box and, and have a little bit more, um, you know, run defensibility, uh, man, I could even see them playing some three safety looks like I, I would not be surprised to see them roll out three safeties in some odd formations where you know maybe they drop you know Deshaun McCullough onto the edge to play like straight up defensive end on some pass rushing situations, and so then they you know bump you know Peyton uh, Bowen or Reggie Pearson or, or Key Lawrence uh, to the cheetah to get more coverage. Um, I mean, we know Justin Harrington is also playing there too. So I think there's going to be a lot of really interesting options there. And, and I do think probably like week one, you'll probably see something like Billy Bowman and key Lawrence just based out of loyalty, but there's going to be a strong rotation. Like you're not going to see, you know, your are starting safeties playing hundred percent of the snaps. Like they have been in, in recent years, you're going to see a heavy rotation because they've got depth. And when you have depth, You can afford to play it and give guys breathers and keep them fresh. That way, when you get to the end of the game, you're not losing these one score games because everybody's tired. Everybody's wore out and beat on the defensive side of the ball. They would never admit that, but the attrition is real. When you're playing, you know, 70, 80, 90 snaps, you're bound to get worn down a little bit, just the physical pounding alone. And so having that depth is going to be absolutely huge for them.
1: We haven't mentioned uh, Robert Spears Jennings name. I did. Well, initially we didn't. And then yeah. uh, I tuned out as I was looking up Jaden Davis stuff. So I apologize <laughs> for that. That's just full transparency on the deal. I wanted to uh, you know, make sure that the news had broken, but yes, Jaden Davis is heading to Miami. So that's, uh, that's out there. They were sort of, uh, you know, actually just ripping the the bandaid entirely off. We had with the 24 seven site myself and, and John was in on this too, but we had we had taped that segment with Jaden Davis for, for some time that uh, he was going to be going to the University of Miami. So wish him the best. And it sounds like here at uh, Oklahoma, John, that he, he wanted nickel, which, again, as you start talking about the safety situation at Oklahoma, well, if Jaden Davis isn't going to have the opportunity to play nickel at OU because OU staff feels like, okay, no, we're in a really good situation. We like you at corner. That, that sort of tells you where Oklahoma's at with uh, its defensive backfield, at least how they feel this thing is, is coming around to the defensive backfield, because we could sit there and talk about, okay, it's going to be key Lawrence to start along with Billy Bowman. But then all of a sudden you've got Reggie Pearson and you've got Peyton Bowen and where are these guys going to fit in? And you, you know, you've got a nickel, you've got a cheetah. They're going to find ways to get those types of guys on the field because they're just talented and they cover guys. Well,
0: yeah, hundred percent. It's just going to be a, a much better coverage unit. And I think, you know, Okie Long guy, a lot of us are kind of coming from the same place. I've mentioned on this show, if you're part of the everyday club, you listen every day. You've heard me say that I'm going to withhold a lot of my judgment until I see this team go play at Cincinnati and really get a chance to see what this defense looks like against, you know, a quarterback in Emory Jones, who is probably going to be their starter who could cause a lot of problems based on his athleticism. We saw what a running quarterback could do to Oklahoma's defense last year. If Emery Jones gets out there, a guy who rushed for 700 yards back at Florida in 2021, if he gives Oklahoma fits in the run game, then maybe there's still some room for concern. Uh, about this defense. But if they go out there and they completely shut them down and and or they have just a really good game and hold them to 25 points or less and Emery Jones isn't killing them on every, you know, third and short or even third and long where they're just losing him because their spy decided not to spy, then uh, you know, then I'll feel really good about where this defense is headed. Again, going to be playing in a a hostile environment. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I stand too is things sound promising, things sound good, but I'm going to wait I'm going to sit back and lay back a little bit and wait and see. I might, I might not make a whole lot of proclamations. I'm sure we will at some point throw out predictions for the season, but you know, it's still going to be very much wait and see for me on the Sooners.
1: So just so I'm clear and everybody here on locked on Sooners live is clear. You did just predict Oklahoma to go undefeated.
0: Of course. Yeah. They're beating Texas. Like it's happening. Screw Texas.
1: No, I, 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 I kid, I kid. I hope we can be optimistic before 2023 is is uh, totally finished here for us. But the the reality of the situation and one that's going to drive our off season discussion. You know, we we yesterday for the Everyday Club folks that are a part of the show every single day. You you know this, so I'll, I'll rehash briefly here. But USA Today Sports released its post spring Big Twelve power rankings, and it was Texas one, K State two, Oklahoma three. And their question for Oklahoma, they had a question for every team. What's the big question for each team that they had in their Big 12 power rankings? And the question for Oklahoma was, how do the Oklahoma Sooners handle their first truly disappointing season uh, in, well, this in this century? And yes, that is no doubt a fair question. And it's, you know, big picture, that I, I could see where you'd go there. But for me, John, and this just going back to the schedule and where are we going to know that this defense is good? You almost could have the question for Oklahoma, at least on the front half of the season. How does Oklahoma handle the cotton bowl versus Texas? Because it was 49 to nothing. And I know the circumstances of the game itself, but for Oklahoma, when we can grade legitimate progress for this team, it's going to be hard to, with a straight face, especially based on the way that last year's non-conference played out where you looked great. Oh man, everything's great. Leaving Lincoln, Nebraska. And then the wheels come off. It doesn't go well in big 12 play Cincinnati. That road trip will be challenging to start big 12 play, but we just don't know who Cincinnati is going into this season. Iowa state, the worst team in the big 12 a year ago, John. So the fact that you would beat them and Norman hypothetically five and zero going to the cotton bowl. You could look great for those first five games. And again, the question for Oklahoma is going to be what happens in the cotton bowl uh, early October versus Texas. How much progress has been made?
0: Yeah, they're going to beat Texas. I'll, I'll sit here and, and, and uh, put that out there. I just think they're going to beat Texas. Like Texas is going to come in feeling really big for their britches, uh, but I'm sorry. You got no, Bijan Robinson anymore. It's going to be all on Quinn Ewers and a, an offensive line to slow down this, you know, this defense. And yeah, they've got a good, Trio of wide receivers, but we know how this game goes, right? Like the team that's favored isn't always the team that wins, the team that's the heavy favorite isn't always the team that wins. So, I just, I mean, I just got a good feeling about it. I know we're like six months away from that game actually being five months away from that game actually being played, and a lot could change and a lot could transpire. But, man, I just got it. I got a sense in me right now, and maybe it's just my optimistic nature that I just have a really good feeling about Oklahoma going into the Cotton Bowl because, like, Quinn, yours. He's a good quarterback, but he's not the second coming of Vince Young or or even Colt McCoy. Like he we've not seen anything from him yet that would put him on that in that tier of Texas quarterback that you would like fear, right? You know, he's been good, but he's not somebody that you fear as a quarterback. Could that change? And maybe by you know the October 8th, you know, weekend, I might feel differently. But right now I'm just like, okay, he's good. And it's probably in the same like the same kind of stratosphere as Spencer Rattler, right? Was Spencer Rattler ever a quarterback that anybody feared at Oklahoma? I'd argue no. He he never like came out and and just lit the world on fire for the Sooners. Now he's been good and he's had really good moments, especially now that at South Carolina. He's had great moments, but he was never that guy that anybody feared. And I feel the same way about Quinn. Now he could totally make me eat my words and I thoroughly anticipate him making me eat some of that, but I'm not sitting here like, you know, chattering my teeth, shaking in my shorts, you know, worrying about Quinn Ewers and the Texas Longhorns offense. Um, you know, the offensive line's good. The wide receiver core is good. Quinn Ewers is good. The sum of the parts is really good, but I think Oklahoma's defense has improved 49, nothing. That means nothing. What happened last year means zero. This is a totally different Oklahoma Sooners team that's going to be rolling into the Cotton Bowl against a different Texas team. Again, without Bijan Robinson, that makes a big, 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 big difference when you lose a top 10 player in the NFL draft. That makes a difference. And so this team, this game is going to be a whole lot different. But you're right. That's going to be when we know, know, and we know that we know that we know, to steal a Brent Venables phrase about this team is what they do in the Cotton Bowl on October 8th.
1: So do you want to see something that might shock you a little bit? Please. I'd love to. This is CBS Sports' initial mock draft. Round one, pick 16. Quinn, yours.
0: Okay. I don't know what shocks me more, the pick or the profile pick, because the hair, man. Now, I know he's cut it. It looks a lot better, Quinn. You're doing better. But man, that, that shaggy do was just something else, man. I mean, this is, this is the, again, to use the Spencer Rattler comparison, this is the same exact thing. I mean, before Spencer Rattler did anything before the 2021 season, I remember writing up all those mock drafts, number one, overall pick top 10 pick best quarterback in the class in the 2022 draft class. I wrote them all up over at Sooners wire. You can go back, you can find them, but the same thing is hap- going to happen for Quinn that Texas Longhorns, you know, profile that that propaganda that's going to continue to build his profile and, and create this wave that is going to, I mean, potentially lead. Now, he's not going to be the number one overall. That's Caleb Williams. I don't think anybody has any question about that. It's Caleb Williams unless he decides not to come out, but he will. But Quinn Ewers being a top 20 pick right now, that's all based on the fact that he was a five-star quarterback at one point in time, played for Ohio state played, or was at Ohio state playing for Texas. That's all based on projection. He's not done anything yet to warrant being, because nobody would say Spencer Rattler right now is a top, you know, a first round pick. I don't
1: think the same could be said for Quinn Ewers. Well, if you thought that was exciting, wait until you look at this. <laughs> I mean, number five, uh, number Washington five deserves overall. it. Washington
0: deserves it. If they pick Quinn Ewers at number five, like that would be the very Washington commanders thing to do is pick Quinn yours at number five overall.
1: <laughs> it's crazy though. The, uh, it, it's the, the way, way, way too early NFL 2024 mock drafts. And they're designed to generate this, to generate John and I responding, to generate you and everybody else trashing the uh, the their mock draft and sharing it on social media and laughing. And yet everywhere you look, John, Quinn Ewers is viewed as this first-round guy. And in a lot of cases, a top 15, top 10 type uh, 2024 NFL draft pick. So not saying that that is, uh, you know, guaranteed not going to be the case, but where we sit right now today, May 1st of our Lord and Savior's year 2023, dude, there's a lot of improvement that got to happen for Quinn Ewers to be anywhere close to any of that. Then again, we're living in a world where Anthony Richardson went number four overall. So maybe there doesn't need to be any improvement.
0: That's cool. I mean, that's true. He's He does have a lot of traits that NFL you know scouts are going to really uh, be excited about. Um, but man, I got to see more. I got to see more production out of him, And I get it. Dylan Gabriel is not a quarterback that anybody's going to fear either. I just think that you know what you're getting with Dylan Gabriel. There's a really steady floor out of Dylan Gabriel, and he keeps you close in football games. Um, Even if they start off a little bit rough sometimes, he's going to keep you close in that. A few more questions that, Josh, we got to touch on. Man, you guys are awesome. This has been a lot of fun, and I don't even mind that we're going a little bit long tonight. Um, But let's do this. There's a basketball question here. Any thoughts on the transfers that that Porter Moser has brought in?
1: Yeah, I'll be I'll be totally open and honest about this. Need more information. N- need more information. Haven't hasn't been at the top of my radar the last couple of weeks with the NFL draft. It's, you know that's neither here nor there. Me explaining why I'm less educated on the subject than maybe I should be, but uh, I like what just generically speaking, I like that they've brought some some players in. That are high production guys at other places. I don't know that they have found to me, and and I've said this in previous episodes. If you've missed it, I, I don't know that they went and found the Keontae Johnson type just yet. And that you know that's what it's going to take because when you know they they went and they got Sherfield, who was a very very solid player. Feel how you want to feel about Tanner and Jacob Groves. Those are guys that were. Good rotational pieces, they weren't Big 12 starters for Oklahoma. And and I'm curious to see, has OU found that out of the transfer portal? We, you, you got one in Sherfield, but then just collectively, the sum of Oklahoma's parts weren't good enough, John. So, again, need more information, would like to sit back, watch the tape, learn, think, talk about these guys a little bit more. Generically speaking, they needed to do something. They've done something. I hope – that Porter has found guys to pair with uh, Otega Oway and Milo's Uzan and then these uh, Jacob Cole. And I believe Cooper in this signing class that all of a sudden, all of that together can morph into something that is what you deserve, which is an NCAA tournament team in Norman, Oklahoma. But I just don't know if I'm there yet. I, I
0: come back to this idea that, okay, we're bringing in a bunch of mid-major dudes. Like that's the same thing we've done, right? You know, bringing in the Groves brothers—no disrespect to them. You know, bringing in Grant Sherfield, bringing in—um—sure, I can think of—I can't think of another name, but like that's what Porter Moser's been able to do. But it hasn't really panned out for him just yet. So you need—you hope that these guys are going to be better than what they were. The one that's intriguing to me the most is John Hughley. Like that's a guy that I'm very intrigued by because he's playing—you know—major basketball at Pitt. And a really strong, you know, basketball conference. And he's been very productive, uh, a good passer, good in the post, a good rebounder, athletic dude. He's only six, nine, but he's still a pretty athletic guy. He's got some size to him. So he's not going to get bodied around down there in the paint. Um, and then he can shoot a little bit from the outside. So there's, there's a bit of an intriguing element to his game. That kind of fits a lot of what, what they were missing on the inside. Now, they're also going to get a little bit more athletic with all the, the different combo guards that they brought in. JV and McCullough being one of them. McCullough, sorry, being one of them. Um, but again, it's OK. What does it all look like? What's the some of the parts going to look like? But again, I think a little bit more athletic, but not sure that they're going to be much better than what they were. They I, I still need to see more. It's kind of where we sit with the Oklahoma football team. Where, where I am with Porter Mosier and this basketball team is I got to see more. Porter Mosier's offense is really good at creating open shots, especially from three, and they've not been efficient enough at three point from three to run that offense. So unless he's willing to adjust or he's just brought in more efficient three-point shooters, then it's going to be a lot of the same.
1: John Hughley, by the way, uh, only played in seven games last year at Pitt. Uh, I think he started the season and then was he injured and he basically just decided he wasn't going to play anymore.
0: I'm not sure about an injury, but he just kind of like took some mental health time. And oh, then, that's uh, right.
1: Yeah. Which, which hey, more power to you. Uh, I think one of the beautiful things about society is we are more so now. You, you saw, well, I should say, you know, we saw uh, Connor McCaffrey do the same thing at the University of Iowa last season, which those of you that follow uh, my work closely know that I, I'm keeping tabs on what's going on at the University of Iowa. And, and it was uh, it was well received uh, right here. We saw that with uh, with with uh, a player taking uh, taking a little bit of a, a mental leave of absence. So that's good. I'm glad that as a society we're at a place where we can do that. But Hugley himself just the game, 15 and eight, 15 and eight guy the year before when he did play uh, 32 games. It was a 30 minute per night kind of guy. So man, we've talked about it. Oklahoma needs that sort of big. And then all of a sudden, McCollum, who was a 16 points per game, a night guy this past season at Siena who seemed like there was some, some pretty serious, uh positive reaction to the acquisition of McCollum who's six foot two guard can shoot about 36% from three or did last season. And uh, you know, sh- shot a good volume, John. That's one thing you look at. It's like, okay, well is this 36% and he shot one, three a game? No, he shot uh, five and a half threes per game. So that I like that part of his game. Averaging 16 points obviously uh, was a, you know, key cog for his team. So all of that, you pair it with, again, the growth, hopefully, of an Atega Owe, of a Milos Yuzan. And then probably you're counting on a couple of those, again, those signees stepping in and uh, being blue chip guys, top 100 guys, which which they are, and hopefully they can, uh, they can impact things. And if all of that's the case, which, again, that's a lot of unknown, baby, and that's the transfer portal, especially in basketball and, you know, for Porter Moser, that's been the thing. It's it's like revolving door, revolving door, revolving door. There's been very little continuity, very little consistency in Norman. But <laughs> if all of those things come together, oh, baby, we could have something.
0: Speaking of basketball, Jacoby Johnson playing basketball? I don't think so. No. I, I, no, he's not doing that. No. Jacoby Johnson playing wide receiver? I mean, possibly, but I, I believe he's coming to Oklahoma to be a cornerback. Um Over-under
1: wins nine. For Oklahoma? Yeah. I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over. I I just... Until OU shows me the negative, that this is a program that's going to be Texas-ish and have back-to-back bad seasons, I I know that we're, we're dipping back into the... Bob Stoops era and the Lincoln Riley era. And that's not necessarily, and really not, not for Lincoln, but just you're going back into previous regimes for this, but 14 was followed up by a really good 15 and so on and so forth. I mean, every down year, the last quarter century or so, John has been followed by a response from the university of Oklahoma. And Oh, by the way, there's nothing of note in the non-conference portion for Oklahoma. It'll be win, win, win. And then uh, the big 12 schedule is again not altogether imposing for Oklahoma so to me it'll be disappointing if Oklahoma doesn't at least push on that number for you there and get to nine wins in the regular season I think they're going over though I really do I think that they're just more talented than most everybody in this league and I think they've upgraded themselves via the transfer portal and then just the the natural growth of being coached by Brent Venables and this staff we, we don't have to run down the statistics tonight, but the track record from Clemson tells us year one to year two to year three at Clemson, they got much, much better defensively to the point where in year three, uh, basically they were the nation's best defense. So I'm not saying Oklahoma in year two is going to be the nation's best defense. They were terrible a year ago, but I do think it's realistic to say this defense can just by being better in key situations, John, improve radically to a top 50 type defense. Yeah. And you just need,
0: this team to be better in situations. You need them to be better on third down. You need them to be better in the red zone where you're, you're not giving up, you know, third and fifteens third and tens. You're able to shut those down a little bit more. Their third down defense was terrible. That's a big reason why they weren't very good defensively. They couldn't just, they just couldn't get off the field. And so they got to be better in those situations. And I think they will be the pass rush is better. The coverage is going to be better. The linebackers are going to be better. It's just all better. Everything's going to be better about this team defensively because the depth is better. You'll lose a guy to injury. You're not like automatically going to struggle to find who's going to replace him. Uh, so, yeah, feeling much better. I'll go over as well. Um, again, I'm the guy that's sitting here telling you they're going to beat Texas. And that's the toughest game on the schedule for Oklahoma. The rest of it is tough environments in which they'll have to play at Cincinnati, at um, Stillwater, at BYU. I'm not, I'm not concerned about the matchups. I'm not concerned about the teams. I'm more concerned about the environments in which they'll have to travel to play in more than anything.
1: And just Oklahoma, can you show me that you can go win a close game in that kind of yeah. an environment at Kansas? Uh, could be, uh, I don't know, man, because of the, Mr. Jalen Daniels, who knows, could be challenging. Uh, the, our man Preston uh, chiming in, expecting a commitment date to get moved up. And, oh, by the way, what is this? you BBQ, Commitment City, which, oh, by the way, this is a, a terrific time to say. Love your content over there. Really dig what you're doing with the channel. Appreciate you popping in to say what's up to us. And uh, worlds are colliding here in Sooner Central. We need to, I mean, when when is this crossover episode happening, right? I mean, it seems to, has to be on the horizon at some point.
0: Yeah, he's ready to roll. He's already told us. We just got to lock it down. So Okay, we gotta... well, let's,
1: let's get that accomplished uh, yeah, behind closed doors here.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, we can just negotiate this now. Just right. There's, um, no,
1: there's no negotiation,
0: like on air negotiation. That's right. that's right. Um, Are we not talking enough about the lack of a well depth?
1: I think that if anything, I was criticized in some ways right here for being uh, a little too critical of offensive line for Oklahoma coming out of the spring game. To me, this has morphed into John, Easily my top concern with uh, this Oklahoma football team this season. And that's on the heels of Oklahoma being, for, for a program that's played some bad defense over the last, uh, I don't know, decade or however many years. And at times there's been good. I don't want to, you know, take away there's years where they led the Big 12 in scoring defense or a year where they led the Big 12 in scoring defense. But for a defense that was as bad as it was a year ago, this is what coming out of the spring game, to me, it's it's clearly the biggest question that needs answering.
0: It is. It is, especially with Walter Rouse being injured. Like that's a problem. You haven't seen him yet. He hasn't really been a part of the, the program for very long and he hasn't been able to practice for very much of it. Uh, you still don't really know who your left guard's going to be. I know a lot of people are concerned about center, but I mean, that's one of your most stable positions at center with Andrew Rame. Could it be better? Sure. But you know what you have in Andrew Rame at the very least. He's got to stay healthy. That's going to be a big key for him as he goes into a season in which could be an NFL draft potential type season. Uh, He's been with Oklahoma for four years, been a starter for much of the last three. So he's kind of like now he's got to put together all the tape. Like if he has aspirations of playing in the league, this has got to be a breakout year for him. Um, You know, the O.L., you know, people are saying the O.L. will be fine. Uh, Maybe. I, I mean, they usually come together, right? And they're good enough. They just put together a really good season for Eric Gray this last year. Still feel great about Tyler Guyton and McKay Matier. I think, you know, um, you know, Walter Rouse is going to be really good. You know, PG's mentioned in Josh Bates. We love Josh Bates, like huge friend of the show, been on the show several times. If you haven't got a chance to check out our interviews over the last year with him, um, go back and search you know him on the YouTube channel. But um, he had a rough spring game. You know, he did a couple false starts. Uh, you know, I think there was a holding penalty there. Um, it it was a rough one, so I'm not necessarily like expecting him to come in and be a big time contributor for this team. He's playing left guard and he hasn't played a lot of left guard. He's been a center. Uh, so he's transitioning a little bit too. So this is, this is a unit that's yeah. Having a lot of transition, a lot of guys playing in different spots, you know, Caden green played a lot of left tackle during the spring game for Oklahoma. I think that was unexpected as well for the sooner so a lot that has to kind of come together but they've got time to make it come together get Walter Rouse healthy get him ready to roll I think you'll feel a lot better about offensive line and, and that's going to be key for this offense because you don't have Marvin Mims you don't have Braden Willis you know two important guys yeah Eric Gray is gone but you feel good about the running back group coming up behind him um, outside of Jaleel Farouk your wide receiver court Bit of a question mark too. So you need your offensive line to be a stabilizing force for this offense. Uh, they're going to have you know some tough pass rushers to go up against. You know, Colin Oliver is still back at o- Oklahoma State. Like that's going to be a force that they'll have to deal with. Um, they're going to be again, you know, going up against some good defenses uh, in different places, like Iowa. You know, against Iowa State. Um, so yeah, they, the offensive line is still a bit of a question, and the depth is a bit of a question as well.
1: Do we have much of an answer, by the way, on Jacob Sexton and his return date? He, he, what, he tore the knee up.
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect him until fall camp. Yeah. he's able to do anything in fall camp.
1: Well, and and then that kind of puts you, uh, this is Jimmy asked this question, by the way. Thank you, Jimmy. Uh, will Sexton be ready to play this fall? I mean, I'm not going to say no, but I would say it's leaning that direction, right? That it just puts you on the, it puts you behind the eight ball. Now, maybe he's just so talented that, and you know, ACL, Injuries, knee injuries, you come back from those better than you have at any point in the past, just based on, you know, modern medicine and everything. But, uh, and Jet says he understands, uh, or they understand the the rehab's going well. That's great news, but uh, believe it when we see it, just because, you know, you're, you're not going to rush somebody back from an injury.
0: Yeah, and then Josh, the last thing we want to talk about before we get out of here, Padigasso, the Oklahoma Sooners, clinched their 11th straight Big 12 championship. I've not done anything eleven consecutive days years except for sleep maybe built uh, bar. yeah built bar <laughs> um just an absolute uh, powerhouse man i don't I don't think we have enough super- superlatives to throw on this team at this point. I mean they're just doing incredible things in this this past weekend against Kansas only allowed two runs, a couple run rule wins, uh, and then an eight two win to to close out the series on Sunday to clinch the uh the the championship PG brings up a question: Softball in the football stadium, make it happen. Hey, Patty is bringing it up. She's going to talk to Joe C about it. I don't see why Joe C would say no. If it can happen, they'll make it happen.
1: I don't know that you can make it a yearly thing and get you know what.
0: The 80, hope 000. is
1: that yeah, I know, I know. The hope is that it turns into what Nebraska volleyball. Is doing and you you yeah you get seventy eighty thousand whatever it is you hashtag pack the palace baby I I think you can do it once because of the. And maybe I'm dead wrong on this because it's Oklahoma softball. It's a juggernaut. And one thing that is definitively true about Oklahoma fans, as much as, you know, at times we'll criticize OU fans for, okay, get, get louder, get more aggressive. Or why are you not engaged in this sport? And, oh, well, we want a winner. There's this excuse or that excuse for why we're not supporting. When Oklahoma fans, when there's somebody that walks up to the podium, walks up to the lectern and questions Oklahoma fans, or even just kind of puts it out there that okay, it's time for Oklahoma fans to step up to the plate. Sooner fans, step up to the plate. So there might be enough of that to where if you did it, it would work and you could get eighty thousand. But I just don't know the the novelty, the novelty portion of it. I know I I, I strongly believe you could do it once. Now year after year after year, I, I don't know, and it would depend upon obviously who's the opponent, and all those sorts of things. I love the idea. I'm here for it. It would be so cool to see. But uh, just the the Big 12 championship itself, I mean, dominance. The team's won, what, 37 consecutive games now, okay? It's uh, another year where they've gotten this late into the season with just, uh, just the one blemish to Baylor. I still don't know how they lost said game to Baylor, but just – I mean, uh, laid Kansas to waste, put them out uh, to pasture, a couple of run rule victories, eight to two in the finale. It's just dominance. I, I don't see where there's anybody else out there that keeps OU from its ultimate goal. It's just hard to see that. And
0: what's really, really fun for me is they go into Stillwater for what could be their last trip to Stillwater for the foreseeable future. Um, next year's bedlam matchup will be played in either norman or oklahoma city and so there's nothing really for oklahoma to play for i mean they they're, they'll get up for the game they'll get hype for it and there's nothing for oklahoma state to play for because they got swept by texas they're playing for the 2 seed that's their only hope in this one whereas you know when everybody looked at this one on the schedule about a month ago everybody's thinking okay this could be for the big 12 you know regular season championship but uh you know oklahoma state didn't live up to their end of the bargain on that and it's just going to be kind of a you know not as uh maybe it's going to be as intense but it just doesn't have that same uh dynamic um as as it might so yeah 11 straight you know consecutive regular season championships for the oklahoma sooners They go to, first they'll play in Tulsa on Tuesday night, which I'm sure that game is already sold out. It was sold out when I looked for tickets uh, a week ago because I thought, hey, maybe I'll take my daughter to that. That could be fun. No, you ain't buying a ticket to an OU softball game in Tulsa or anywhere in the state of Oklahoma at this point in the season. Uh, But you're right, man. There's nobody that's going to beat them in a series. And so there's no way that they're not winning their third consecutive Big 12 championship. Now it could be, you know, things could change. Something could happen. Somebody could get hot. But just the way that this team is pitching, they're the best pitching staff in the nation, lowest ERA in the nation, and they're hitting. I mean, they're, they're still a powerhouse team, even though they might not be hitting as many home runs. They're hitting a ton of doubles. Uh, our guy, Eric Bailey from Tulsa World, throughout the stat, 88 home runs, 88 doubles. Um, just an absolutely incredible stat. I, I was comparing it you know, throughout the season. Um, at one point, you know, obviously they'd hit a lot more home runs last year than they had at this point this year, but they had hit a lot more doubles this year than they had last year. So they're still on a similar extra base hit pace. Um, but yeah, just fantastic work by them. I, I do anticipate them going into Stillwater and winning the series, whether they get the sweep or not, that that is anybody's guess. Cause Oklahoma city, it's a really good softball program, but they're going to go into the big 12 championships in Oklahoma city as the one seed yet again, because they're that dang good. Josh, any other parting thoughts before we get out of here? We went a little 20 minutes extra because you guys in the chat were just firing away and loved all the interaction, so we just felt like we just got to keep going on it. But, Josh, any other, anything else we need to talk about before we get out of here?
1: I don't know that there's anything else pressing. I would just say my educated guess is yes, they will be sweeping Oklahoma State <laughs> in that series. So with all with all due respect to what I think is a very, very good Oklahoma State team and one of the nation's finest teams, I'm going to pick Oklahoma to sweep, okay?
0: Boom. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners and this week's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of the show. Thank you so much to our everyday club. Those of you that are tuning into the show every single day, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. We're free and available on every platform. You can like, hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Again, we're here with you Monday through Friday, every single day here on Locked On Sooners. It's your team every day. Follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref. You can follow me on Twitter at John nine Williams, follow the show on Twitter at locked on Sooners and on Facebook, locked on Sooners podcast. But until next time where we'll continue to talk about Oklahoma recruiting and get ready for a long off season, but we'll also talk Oklahoma softball as they get ready for bedlam. Uh, he's Josh Homer. I'm John Williams. We'll talk to you then boomer sooner.